0: there I'm James McKinvan and that's Daggerbird Renewed and you're listening to This Indie Life. This Indie Life follows the journey of two Indie Hackers as we navigate the good, bad and ugly, attempting to turn our Indie Hacker dreams into reality. Each week, you can tune in to see what progress we've made to achieve those dreams. Dago runs a logo generator business with his wife called Logology and a Twitter course showing you how you can dominate Twitter. I run a podcast production business called Pop Panda, and I'm trying to grow my leather wallet side project, Whitstable Craft Co. This is our first episode on YouTube, so if you're on audio, you can check it out by clicking the link in the show notes. And in this episode, Dago ponders how AI will affect his logo business and is thinking of moving to another part of the country to help his indie hacking. I have a battle with the UK Postal Service who decided not to ship wallets to customers and find out how much profit I made on the 5k of leather wallet sales in December. Let's get into it. All right, Dago, let's get into some updates. What have you got for us?
1: Actually, I sent out the meme bonus this week. So I was very happy about that. I finally finished it, sent it few people told me they binge-watched it and it was cool, so good news. So now I started thinking about Logology again. And I get so scared with AI now because I see all of this AI stuff on Twitter. There's this guy, Nico, who followed me, bought my course, and then started building an AI logo tool. And so he was nice <laughs> enough to send me a DM like, oh shit, I'm competing with you, I'm sorry. But like, like no, no, it's all good. Like, all while thinking, fuck one more competitor and it's the first time i see like ai logo that's interesting because i mean i tried to make some logo with ais but it looked like shit and so when i saw that he was getting some decent results it got me very scared And i'm like oh shit we're gonna get left behind with this ai trend and all this and because for us it's not ai it's like all designs made by my wife it's just like some programming that I did to make it match your startup, but it's not AI, like all the AI generated images that you see now. So at first it got me very anxious, but since then I started seeing the potential and now it's making me even more excited, you know, for the new version of Logology, because we were already thinking of pivoting. And now I think like during this holiday, like around Christmas, I'm just going to spend like a couple of weeks just digging into AI and see, is there value? Because I think the main value we provide isn't related to that. Like, it's not going to be a main selling point. Like, for example, this guy is doing. Because for us, it's more about branding advice, being the expert that gives you reassurance that your brand is good, you know, helping you with everything. And the logo is only a tiny part of that. But I think if we can use AI, you know, sparingly in some places, that could be awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that was what I was going to
0: ask. Where you, are you, like, planning to lean into AI and maybe use it or go the opposite way where you are just AI will not get you the level of a human touch that we are going to give you. Each logo is handcrafted.
1: I don't know because I don't know technically. For example, I tried Peter O'Lavel's product with like his AI generated avatars and profile pics. And dude, like this is awesome. Like this really like photorealistic thing sometimes. So I I didn't expect it could be this good. So now I'm in this phase where I don't know, can you do super high quality logos? What I've seen so far, like from this guy, for example, is promising. To me, it's not the same level as what we are after, but it's like way closer to what used to be AI tools. So I'm thinking, okay, can I try it and see if we can get a good result? So I basically don't know. I don't know how far AI can go. I don't know how far I can go with it if I'm good enough to, you know, figure it out. Basically, I just want to learn basics of, you know, prompting AI tools. And I just want to generate a couple cool logos and see if I can do it. And once I do that, see if it can apply to Logology and help us. But I don't know. I don't have the answer for like the final direction. I don't think it's going to revolutionize what we do at Logology in terms of like the main value provided, which is beyond than just generate a logo. But I think if we can do high quality, then it could help us provide maybe more unique logos more easily. Like instead of mm. having Lucy add more designs, it could be like, you know, supported by AI and make it way more powerful and easier for people.
0: The, the next point you've got on here, I've got no idea what's prompted this, but you said the audience-first approach is 10 times more genius. More genius than what, Dago?
1: Then product-first approach. Okay. That's basically a learning from launching my course, which is I did the course the complete opposite way of Logology. The course, I started, I already had an audience and I was already helping some people over DMs, you know, sending them tips about Twitter when they asked me. Then I compiled those tips, asked people questions about the other problems they had and built a course. And then I announced it for months and then I launched it asking for support and it was successful. So I started with audience Listen to them, spontaneously started bringing value for free, then saw so there was potential, turned that into a product and launched. Logology is the opposite. It's just my wife and I have a cool idea. Mm. We think, okay, let's build it. We launch it. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody comes to the website. Then we think, oh, who are we selling this to? Should we sell to startups or to Etsy creators or to whatever? We decide startup. Then I try to build an audience around it on Twitter. So that's the complete opposite way of launching a product. And that's a huge realization for me. And that's actually reminding me of what Daniel Vassalo says, that you learn more from success than from failure. And now I completely understand it because I only had failure before. So I was like, no, you learn from failure. Yeah, you do. But like when you have success, you, it's like 10 times bigger. Like it's 10 times stronger what you learn. And so the success of the course taught me that I really shouldn't look for product. I should just focus on people. And when I see something that I can help with spontaneously, just focus on that and let the product idea come from interacting with people, building an audience, talking about shit you're interested about. But like, don't go out with a predefined product idea. Just be like, okay, this is an industry I'm interested in. For example, me and my wife, it's like like design and logos and branding. But then no preconception about the product. And so, yeah, so that's how I'm doing for Logology, you know, pivot now. I'm just talking to people. I'm going to ask more questions on Twitter directly to my audience. And then I'm going to build something for them. Then when we relaunch Logology, we'll have people waiting for it that are in the right audience and have the perfect product for them. Instead of trying to like shove a product down their throat that was built, even though, you know, it has value, it wasn't built from the ground up for them. So it's 10 times less powerful.
0: Yeah, this is something I think a lot of indie hackers struggle with. I do as well. We so often want something to exist in the world. You hear the scratch your own itch thing or just wanting to make something cool. And then we almost have this tunnel vision. Whereas when you speak to people like Michelle Hansen, who wrote Deploy Empathy, if you read The Mum Test, speak to Arvid Carl, Bootstrap founder, all of these people are very... Strongly advocating for speaking to your customers, and I I, I don't do it enough for indie bikes like actually speaking to listeners to understand what they want. And it's kind of hard when it's your baby, right? Because if they say something you don't agree with, like I had a chat with someone on on DM, I just didn't agree yeah. with what he was saying. He was basically saying, "Why are you only releasing longer episodes to members? Why are you only sharing a snippet? Like I want to hear the full episode." and and he he said like sponsorships aren't working and i was kind of saying uh, well sponsorships are working the show is meant to be short and i don't feel the value is in the longer one and i struggled to like understand what he was saying because i was so attached to attached to my yeah my idea of the show and didn't want to change that because i know i i have had positive feedback about it being short and i feel that's the usp still see yeah, i'm arguing against too. it
1: for me too yeah
0: yeah Shago, what's your meme this week?
1: So this is a meme about an Indian movie, actually. And the meme says 250 domain names, 17 published apps, zero paying users. It's basically a teacher telling you the rules of the game, which is obviously, you know, ironic the way I made it. And, you know, I made this joke because, well, we're all like this. We have so many ideas. We buy domains. Sometimes we finish (laughs) the app, but you know, it's still like a far cry from getting paying users and getting like an actual business running. So that was kind of like pretty, you know, light joke. But the interesting thing about this meme is that it's my first time using an Indian template. I did not even think of this, but like, it's a movie called Three Idiots. I learned afterwards and it got a lot of traction because of that. All of my Indian followers started engaging and be like, Oh, this is amazing. You need to watch this movie. And I'm like, this is why Indian accounts have so much success on Twitter. There are, like, so many Indian people on Twitter. So I'm like, I need to use more Indian meme templates so I'll get more virality. So, you know, I started thinking of that. But, yeah, I'm going to watch this, this movie, secret- which is supposed to be a huge movie in India called Three Idiots.
0: That's funny. Yeah. Dang it. How many domains do you have? Do you own?
1: Oh, it's funny because I keep making that joke, but I almost don't have any domains. I don't have that problem. <gasps> I make that joke because everybody has that problem. So I I know it's going to be relatable. But I basically have like four versions of Logology, you know, four extensions. Yeah. Then I have my own personal website from when I was freelancing. And I have Mimlogy, but like there's always something on this. Like it's, it's, it's always. Yeah. And then I have the one for the Twitter course.
0: I go, you're not one of us now. Your relativity no, index I'm not. is just. You know, I'm just like, you know, right
1: understanding what people go through and then <laughs> reusing it to make fun of it. But, like, for example, I have a lot of memes about churn or losing users, but I don't have a SaaS. It's not a subscription, it's one time payment. So, because it's one time payment, I never had churn. Yet, I have some cool memes about churn, you know, because <laughs> I spend so much time with people, I see the joke that I can make. So, yeah
0: that's true yeah you're, you're there to entertain people on twitter and that's if me. this meme got 1500 likes if you too want to make memes like dago dago has now launched his bonus meme course which is available link in the show notes
1: thanks dude thanks for doing that let's get some sales
0: what's this all about you moving to Brittany?
1: i think we will basically we're tired of where we are in france i think we've been there like for I mean, I lived there my whole life, but we've lived in the same place for like six or seven years. And last summer, we went to, well, first we went to Lisbon to meet a ton of indie hikers. That's where I met like mm. Peter Levels, for example. And that was really fun and that was awesome. And then we came back home and we were like, it's so depressing here compared to Lisbon. And then in the same summer, we went to Brittany like for one week, like, you know, in, so that's west coast of France. and yeah. And we loved it. And we realize now that we're like full-time on logology or like the course and we don't, there's nothing we do. Like we stay home most of the time or, you know, when we don't do something, we can go to Paris, you know, that can happen. Like we take the train, we go to Paris, but we thought we should just move to Brittany, like move to some place where like way more nature, you know, we want to move next to the sea so we can just go by walking to the sea. And we just want that. So next week, we're actually taking one week where we're going to Brittany. Oh, cool. And what we're going to do is we're just going to, we rented an Airbnb and we took like not too much of a good one. We wanted like an average one. So it looks like the type of home we would be renting if we, you know, we would be renting if we moved there. Because the idea is to feel like, okay, can we be happy there when it's winter, when it's cold, when there's not all the tourists from the summer? Is it fun to live in Brittany? Like, day-to-day so we're just gonna spend a week there and you know see how it goes and if you know if it's cool and if it's cool we're gonna move there
0: that'll be very cool so are you going to multiple places in Brittany when you're there one place we just
1: just found one place you know next to where we want to eventually move so it's just kind of like a trial just do one week trial of Brittany, and yeah, we want to see, because like, we're so used to the city. I, I've lived in cities my whole life. So can it be like a small town? There's a medium-sized city near that you can go to, like Saint-Malo, or you can go to Paris easily. But, you know, we're gonna we're going to try. I think what sucks is middle-sized cities. Like, if you're in a huge city <laughs> like Paris, New York, London, amazing. You get tons of opportunities. It's buzzing. It's alive. Yeah. But if you're, like, in a medium-sized medium city, you don't have nature, you don't have big opportunities, it's just shit. So that's how I feel now about it. And I feel like the, the dream would be, like, we make enough money that we live in Brittany, but we spend, like, one week per month in Paris or something. That yeah. Would be like, the dream, you know, where you have the opportunity and you also have, like, the quiet. <laughs> cool. So you got fucked by the Royal Mail, <laughs> yeah. and I want to hear all about it, James. Tell us.
0: Oh, man, this has been infuriating. So I have had so much fun, as you will have heard in the pod, over the past few uh, weeks and months selling a ton of wallets. I have been busting my balls to get these wallets made, like meticulously handcrafted each one, and to make sure they are in the post so they arrive in time for Christmas. People are buying these because they think this is going to be a fantastic gift.
1: It's and made- it is.
0: And it is a great gift, great gifts. And in the UK, we've had some strikes where the postal service basically don't work for a few days. And what happens is the post doesn't happen for a few days. And then they get a big backlog and then they don't address the backlog. Now, even with these strikes, they've said, if you post it within this time, it will arrive. So international delivery, you pay like £12 for it for the letter, like large letters that I send the wallets in. The customers are paying that. And it says five to seven days. Most of the time, it works super well. If people are ordering any other time of the year as well, they're usually fine about it taking a little bit longer. For Christmas, it cannot take longer because people are buying them for gifts for the 25th of December and they are starting late November, early December so they can get them in time, especially when they're ordering from the UK and they're paying their 10, 12 pound to make sure it does get there. But then, Dago, I start to get a few emails from people saying, hi, James, I've checked my tracking and I can see it's at the post office, but it hasn't moved in eight days. I was like, shit. So I go on, check the tracking, like a good 20 orders have not moved in eight days since I posted them. And right now I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do.
1: Yeah, the sad thing for me about it is Like, you sent me a wallet and it was the most amazing package I got. Like, there was some nice card, there was a thank you note. I mean, you put so much care into creating an amazing customer experience. And I've seen it's not just me because I've seen people share those as well. So, like, everyone gets, like, first-class experience. Like, you work, you you do them yourself, you make the wallets yourself, you go above and beyond for amazing customer experience and then fucking post office just like screws it up and at the worst time in the year with like Christmas. So, you know, that's like, that's painful. Like I, when you told me this, I was like, we should do just an episode about this because it's just so, I mean, it's like yep. a nightmare. It's like it's, it's like the, the the opposition between being a founder, giving your best to bring value to people and then some people who don't give a shit, they're just like, yeah, you know, we're on strike and oh, okay, we lost your package or whatever. Like, or like, oh yeah, it's going to take some time to arrive and not commit to, you know, what they said they would do. Like that's that's so annoying. That's so upsetting.
0: Yeah. And the reason I didn't want to talk too much about it, apart from just sort of updating what happened is it just made me really upset because I take I take responsibility for it. I'm offering people refunds. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, like store credit because they've like trusted me to get their package or to make a gift for their loved ones that they yeah. want to open on Christmas day and i i want them to have it i believe in my product they're lovely i think it's a super thoughtful gift and for royal mail to then just not do anything with it and there's it's like can you use another courier to send it internationally annoyingly no because of the size of the package the price would not make sense to be able to ship them abroad. I was looking at DHL. It's £25 a package. Even yeah. for like a 100 gram large letter, which is it's like a tiny, tiny letter package. It, it's just completely uneconomical to do it that way.
1: I mean, you still win. Like you still got the 5k. You still made money. And <laughs> it doesn't have to all go down to shit because of this fucking post, post office. Like it, just, it can just be, yeah, you won. Some, you know, sometimes bad shit happened, so it just happened. You will have to refund a few customers who wanted it for Christmas and they don't want to hear anything else. And, you know, it's fine. It's good customer service. But that's it. Like, you can also use this as an opportunity to, like, bond even stronger with the people by giving them an extra gesture to make up for it and involve them in the situation. And they're going to be even happier about it.
0: Yeah. Well. Talking to making money, you said you made, said about the five k I made. Did yeah. you see my tweet on on how much I spent in those thirty days?
1: Well, no, but I remember you basically put all the money to buying a new machine. So, is there anything more than this that you bought now?
0: Yes. Yeah, so. so I- I was always planning, after sort of the dust has settled, to go through and look at the expenses. Because it did feel like I was spending a lot, because I had to buy new leather, tools, packaging. Yeah. I was always sort of chasing my tail to keep up with the orders. And luckily, lots of money was coming in, so I had the money there to spend. I didn't quite know how much I had spent. I did feel it was a lot. I didn't quite feel it would be the entire £5,000. So I oh, did wow. a spreadsheet. I've put this spreadsheet here for you if you want to look at it. You can like look item by item of how much I spent and then there's tabs along the bottom which shows okay. what I've spent on each thing, like each category. Essentially uh, in the 30 days I made 5195 pounds and in those same 30 days I spent 5416 pounds which is a 221 pound loss. And the biggest costs out of those, number 1 leather other key distinction for this this is yeah. not like for unit cost some of these expenses in this 5400 pound are stuff that i have bought because i have the money in and it will improve the efficiency of the business going forward it includes leather that i have bought for fun it's packaging what I've do bought you for mean i orders. bought
1: leather for fun what kind of <laughs> fetishist buys the leather for fun
0: this beautiful green panel of leather for, and yeah, oh, it doesn't wow. do it justice. I don't it's want lovely. to see the it's cow cool.
1: it comes from. Dude, <laughs> green leather? Or what the
0: fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, it looks I, amazing. I, I bought all sorts of fun leather. So, yeah, leather main cost, tools where. Fourteen hundred pounds, and that that doesn't include yeah. the big one back there. I've taken that out of the line item, if you see. Okay, but um, like
1: even the fourteen hundred that you bought is like long term. Like it's not gonna. You don't have to buy long term. It. Yeah, it's not, it's not like leather. Okay, uh-huh.
0: and I, I will do another update over the next few months on how I've managed to get the unit cost down and turn the business profitable. It was just very fun knowing that I had this revenue coming in for the wallets that I could then spend on the business to make it better.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so much cost of shipping, I see. And they still don't send in time. <laughs> I just yeah. want to go burn the building there or something. <laughs> this is crazy.
0: So it cost me over a £1,000 to ship these. And the interesting and it's still thing not about, shipped. <laughs> uh, yeah, still, still yeah. not arrived. Thanks, guys. So in the spreadsheet, is there anything you are... Definitely questioning me on why I've purchased that.
1: Custom illustration for Lenny. Isn't it your sister who did it? Yeah. Okay, so you pay your sister. Good to know. When I see this, the main thought is like, dude, you should sell for 100 and not and not 60 Because like...
0: <laughs> that yeah. is... The main conversation and thought I've had with people over the past few months is let's raise the price again because you do yeah, have a yeah, yeah. perception of value with it. If you are buying a $30 wallet, yeah. you perceive it to be $30. The quality of this leather, Dago, is insane. It is lovely. I know,
1: I know. You know, you know I told you before, I searched for like a good wallet for me for a long time. Mm. Then you made like this magical custom thing for me, so I was so grateful. But like <laughs> the ones I was considering were around between 100 and 150. You know, like Bellroy ones yeah. I was looking at, that was like the main ones I was considering. And yeah, I mean, the quality of yours, like, yeah, def, like bring it up. And like, you know, I we increased pricing of Logology a few times,
0: never had any problems. The plan is to increase the prices because I see these brands that are charging, these like luxury brands that are charging hundred two hundred dollars for you could
1: literally charge even more than them yeah. because you put more uh-huh. work into it and it's like one small guy doing it in England it's even more charming I was I was like my pub. course is more expensive than yeah. Daniel Vassalo's or Arvid's it's more expensive and I want to keep it more expensive yeah and not just because of that but also because I think it's the best course and I'm convinced and because of this you know I'm like yeah and and the perception of value it matters dude agreed yeah
0: Well, I I was at the pub last night selling my wallets after crying all day about Royal Mail strikes. And my goal is to... My first question is, like, show me your wallet. And people whip out these Hugo Boss, Tommy Hilfiger wallets. And they are just disgustingly low quality. And all I have to do out of my little bag, get my wallet. Just just feel it. Just feel it. Just smell it. The quality difference is insane. (laughs) So people see the brand and they associate that with quality or they want the brand. I'm like, mate, no one's looking at the brand of your wallet. They're going to... So you
1: mean you take something out of the bag in a bar, while you're drunk and sad, and you say, just feel it, just touch it, just smell it. <laughs> Is that like an English thing? <laughs> okay. That's Dude,
0: when you come to the pub in England, I will show you how it's done. I made £120 last night selling wallets.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to sell courses.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, so that, that's the wallet saga for me. Everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Cool, man. All right, anything else? or Are we... Are we recording next week when you're in Brittany.
1: yeah i think i'm gonna take my mic with me that would be fun to record from there
0: it'll be awesome i hope you enjoy Brittany, and we will talk next week dago
1: yeah talk to you next week
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of This Indie Life. Hope you enjoyed the chat between me and Dago. If you've got any questions or feedback, feel free to send us a message on Twitter. Our handle is at IndieLifePod. I'll pop a link in the show notes for you. And if you want to watch us instead of listen, a reminder that the show is now on YouTube. That's all from me. Stay Indie. James out.